Now the shotgun start in golf is full of mathematics. Um, there's a lot of a lot of setup work that we have to do in order to make a tournament work. So I'm going to demonstrate to you just exactly how we do a shotgun start here. And here we go. All right, all right, all right. Gentlemen, start your Greetings and welcome to a Friday edition of the Shotgun Start. It is April 30th. Andy, how are we doing? Brendan, I didn't expect to be saying this, but it's Victory Friday. <laughs> Fantastic. I'm so, so happy for you. Uh, I think like regardless of what happened in the draft, started out with a little turmoil up north, uh, team turmoil up north in Green Bay. Just a complete mess. Who knows if they'll ever recover. It was already a good day. Then you make waves. I mean, we are, full disclosure, we're recording within 10 minutes after. The Bears have just traded up to pick number, was it 11 that they, they landed at? 11. Uh, with the Giants. And they selected Justin Fields, the quarterback of Ohio State. How are you feeling? How I mean, you signed on and you were screaming, throwing your hands in the air. What what What's your reaction? I I'm elated. I, I can. It's hard to even put into words. I was, I was in the gutter as a football fan. The Andy Dalton, Nick Foles quarterback poo-poo platter that we had trotting out there. You know, old, an aging defense, a shoddy offensive line. It really didn't give much hope, and now we have hope. It's. It's um we could dream I'm dreaming already of actually having a real quarterback whether he turns out great or not. You know, it, yeah. most have it turned out good for the Bears. No, we our franchise yep. is littered yep. with disasters. Mitchell Trubisky didn't work out, but we have hope again. And hope is like this is all that all that you can ask for. At the quarterback position, I I'm just so elated. This guy, he's a stud. He's awesome. He's going to have a He's little a chip on his shoulder for dropping to 11. Yeah. I think he seemed pissed when they showed him on TV. He seemed like, you know, he's, he's ready to rock. It, I think we're going to have like a little situation similar to, uh, to Mitch. Like you had Trey Lance and Zach Wilson go ahead of him. And those guys, like they didn't, it's like Mitch didn't play the games that Watson played. You know, it, it's a very yeah. similar, eerily similar situation where these NFL teams maybe talk themselves into these guys. Like, Trey Lance didn't even play last year. If Justin Fields doesn't right. play, he goes number two, probably. Yeah, If it, He plays, and he had one of the best games of any quarterback in college football history <laughs> in that season right. they played. It, against, you know, like, it's just, I, I'm through the moon. I can't. I'm <laughs> through so, the moon. Just so happy. <laughs> through the roof and the moon. This, yeah. This, um... This day for my football fandom is re has really been all I could ask for. I'm happy for you. I know I was prepared. We were about to hit record. Bears. What were the Bears originally drafting at? Like 20. twenty or something like that. Okay, so like we weren't gonna we weren't gonna wait for that long. And I was gonna record. I was coming in with this take. Like the draft, like really is like the sporting event where you could spend a minute reading the list of the names the next day. 
right? Instead of investing. But like, this is why we love it. You would not get what the elation, the maybe was there, was there terror at any point uh, where you thought maybe they're straight up for Max Jones? Like, it's such a roller coaster. Terror. And I, you know, who knows? I don't know anything about scouting quarterbacks. Mac Jones might turn out to be better than uh, Justin Fields. But I didn't want him. I that would have been like the conventional Bears thing to do was to take the proven pocket passer, which we already have two of, we, who are arguably proven. Yep. But no more QB yeah, one. Yeah. QB ones. I That's mean, he's got to be pissed off. Can we trade one of our quarterbacks now? We got three of them. Like, what can we do? Can we wheel and deal? Can we get like a seventh round pick for Dalton now? I saw someone suggest, oh, they're showing this kid from this tackle from Northwestern just got picked. And uh, I think in his family box, I see Matt Fitzpatrick hiding there in the background. They've got his agents, his family. There's Fitzy. Fitzgerald is there. And I think I see Matt Fitzpatrick sneaking around in that family box. You know, it's important. Um, the Chicago, uh, uh, the Chargers are now Chicago's team because they drafted <laughs> this tackle. Ah. Uh. I apologize to our audience in England, Australia, New Zealand. We got a full scouting report. Uh, Jordy Loof sent us a scouting report of the New Zealand PGA with analogies to the Om- Ryan Foxes, their Omari Resty. But we got to talk about the draft. Like this is this is such a this is such a hopeful day for you. And I saw one tweet. I think maybe Will Brinson, CBS, somebody I, I maybe misattributing that said if the Packers trade Aaron Rodgers, the Bears might have the best quarterback. Right th- tomorrow yes. in the division. That's a remarkable, I like mean, sudden change of events. To go from thinking that we had Dalton and Foles for the foreseeable future to having Justin Fields, and and I mean the thing is, we didn't have to trade to like five to get him or six. Like we didn't have to yeah. trade up that much to get him. Yeah, I mean, now right, you could look right. at Ryan Pace or fine or shitty GM, really not fine. That's what I'm wondering about. He's, like, is, are you concerned? Yeah, well, with he's Nagy traded. He's traded up for a lot of of players. The best is he traded up. You know, beyond Trubisky, trading up for Trubisky, he traded up for Leonard Floyd and then let him walk. Like, how how do you do that? How is that possible? How can you trade up for a player and then, like, after three years, just give up on him? Like. That, and then he had like a, a, almost a Pro Bowl season the next year. It's unbelievable. Like that—that's maybe one of the worst indictments of a of a GM of all time. Is that trading up for a player and then not re-signing him? I'm just—I'm so happy for you. I'm happy for you. Like, hey, primo talent. Whether it works, whether he's wrecked or ruined, like it, like today is a success for you, and that's what matters. And like every other, like every good. Uh, Big Ten, every kid that goes to school for the Big Ten, they're going to, to Chicago for their first job after college. So everybody just kind of migrates, filters into Chicago, and, and that's where Justin Field. I mean, absolute stud, like you said. I, I, I couldn't be happier. For Reaction that. from a friend of the program, fellow Bears fan, Jay Rigdon, just messaged me, said, I didn't think this was possible. I've never been excited about a Bears first-round pick, except maybe David Terrell, which... Which didn't end well, but it didn't go well. But hey, there's hope. There's hope in this in the streets of Chicago. I'm thinking about going for a run after this. I'm just so elated. I, I honestly, I thought this was a lost fall. 
I thought I was like I already had written yeah. off. I didn't even want to watch the team. Andy Dalton. I would like literally right. was thinking about protesting the season, and now they got me back. They always get me back. As a football fan, I'm happy to. Just a major market, old school team with history getting, you know, a bona fide star, whether he's in on the field, like, you know, Justin Fields is a marketable, massive talent. So that'll be great. Anything else you want to add? I mean, just a quickly developing 15 minutes here before we hit record. I mean, I, I mean what are I we get, saying? My, What's my the phone over-under? is just blowing up with messages and, uh, you know, I, from just Bears fans. It's, it's just unbelievable. It's just an unbelievable nine wins. Game. What are we saying? Ten wins. What are we? Where, let's I don't, go I'm crazy. not going to. I'm, not putting, I'm not putting any predictions on that. Who knows if he's going to be day one starter? I don't. I just. Right. I'm just so happy that we have hope in the room in the QB room. We don't have the red rocket <laughs> as our only Q. <laughs> red rocket and Foles with a shoddy offensive line. We are. We are. We're back. We're back. <laughs> My assumption is with Pace and Nagy's jobs, not the most secure that Fields, Fields' ass will be out there within the first month as soon as no, things start be, to go They better just with the red draft rocket. some offensive line talent. They need, yeah. Yeah. They need so yeah. much. That's the problem. <laughs> the cupboard's really bare. <laughs> All right. Ten minutes. We can go for an hour. I'm so happy for you. This is, I mean, it's, it's the story, I think. It's the story of the first round. If you're just looking at an, uh, you know, unbiased, nonpartisan, I guess you could go one, two, three of the quarterbacks. But Our, this is the biggest Devonta move. Smith landing in a fall, major market. Falling to ten too for the for the Eagles. Yeah, big big pickup for the Eagles too. All right, let's move on. Yeah. We got the exciting uh, snake championship down in Tampa. Where Keegan Bradley leads your guy uh he went out guy. post my guy why is it my guy because because he's uh you, you you're gonna become a it's a Ryder cup year you know i think it's time to start considering keegan keegan's a real swamp creature himself you know he, he claims boston but he's as jupe as they come uh he shot a 64 leads a bunch of guys at five under including uh Patton Gazire or hudson swafford that nobody can tell uh max homa hank lebiota Ryan Moore and Emiliano Grillo, who are all five under. A lot of low scores. But, I mean, this is kind of what you expect. This is the kind of leader you expect. Keegan Bradley just, you know, for as irksome as he is, is, is kind of goofy. You know, he, he seems to rub a lot of people the wrong way. Guy is an absolute stud, tee to green, oh. right? I mean, and that can play at Valspar. He just loses. I think I saw some quote today. He's like, if I can just be a zero strokes gain putting, like, I'm happy. But I think, again, obviously it's been a disaster since the anchoring ban, and this year he's, you know, 185th to 200 in strokes gain putting again. But he's so, so good uh, tee to green that he makes up, you know, keeps him competitive on tour. And that's where you get a 64 when he can putt a little bit. Yeah. This is a place you got to hit the ball. Well, and, uh, obviously he, yep. he has done that for a long time. Uh, one of the things I'm watching for on this leaderboard is, is Sam Burns, Sam Burns on there. You know, is it possible that spending a week under the town crier's wing could really have helped him out and launch his career into a new stratosphere? I don't see that benefit. Do you? What are, what are you? What's this theory? What are you even proposing here? What kind of? What do you? I think he's probably unburdened by the motor mouth, and that's why you're going to see him. 
He doesn't have to deal with that kind I'm of stuff. I'm just saying what what Potavidra's going to say if, if, if Sam Burns somehow pulls this out. Uh, Paul Casey going for three in a row is three under. Uh, I got I got look, I'm throttling down on my Paul Casey. Hit. I, I have no, it's unfounded. That's fine. If you want to say that it's, it's whatever. T- TPJ, the wizard. I heard Whit Watson, uh, make several references to, to wizardry as <laughs> he's going to need some wizardry out of this lie and the wizard with a, you know, great up and down. Uh, so TPJ just shows up four under gets that exemption. 67. Guy could just be no show for three years and then just beat the best in the world. He's gonna he's gonna be in the pancake zone sooner or later with the way he he, he operates. He's winner winner nothing. Maybe so, the greatest uh, good Hooters to see him. player of all time. Todd Potter Jr. I think he Yeah, I think he is, without a doubt. Anything other reaction to Tampa? Well, you got uh, Chase Kepka's in the mix, the younger younger brother. Chase. He's played well now. He's done all right. He's posted some numbers. I think at Honda he posted a number. He's he's done okay for himself. Um, I don't have much else. It was Valspar. Were, I mean, were you were Justin, you surprised that Michael Visaki didn't play great? No, I mean that has really taken on a life of its own. It's pretty unbelievable. It's just fine. It's a good. It's story, a great story. But, whoa! But I the camera was there. They caught him crying, and I guess. People needed needed catnip for the week because that I, I it's a great story. I'm not I'm shocked at how far and wide it has spread, which is it's good. I'm glad. He's I mean, the it. tour turned into a Visaki tracker this morning. Well, they see it like moth to a flame. It was on it was on Sports Center. Anything that gets on Sports Center, you know that the tour is going to then in turn uh, get some mileage out of. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a great story. He's getting his PIP numbers. He's going to be way up there in the PIP. Speaking I don't know of, if be a member our reigning, to qualify. Our reigning uh, thirst bucket of the week is really, really trying his best to win back-to-back weeks. He's trying to become the first ever back-to-back thirst bucket uh, challenge winner of the week. I mean, we got all sorts of suggestions that DJ is getting married for thirst bucket points, you know, finally tying the knot because of all the content. Around. I mean, it is true. Like the wedding meltwater will make the wedding pay for itself, you know, kind of you can do whatever you want. Uh, but yeah, JT's got this Twitter handle on his caddy bib. Um, but this comes... After he was all high and mighty about it, right? He's like, I don't care about any of this stuff. I'm here to win tournaments. Or I, mean, I play to win, not for popularity. When uh, I don't think that's... I, I think popularity matters to him, right? I, I think as much as these guys... I think it matters to Brooksy quite a bit. Um, I think it matters to so, all of them. All the, all the, if you're like a top 10 player in the world, you're, you're very likely an extreme narcissist. That's what it takes kind of narcissism is almost like a a uh, a skill that professional golfers have. Like it's such a, you know, golf is such a like a you have to be so driven in everything and it works so hard and it's such a lonely self-serving pursuit that I think the this pip is like it's actually kind of a brilliant ploy by the tour is like you 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 know, you got these guys that were like, well, social media doesn't pay the bills. And it's like, well, if you're popular, we're going to pay you. And they all are, in turn, going to try and be popular. Yep. Patriots just took Mac Jones. Ah. Uh, man. 
Sorry, Patriots fan, fans. You know. Uh, why are we down on Mac Jones? I mean, I, he there's no like reason to be. Ever. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's just not as exciting. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, but hey, going to a fun situation, I'm sure. Um, the question is, what, right, well, what, what quarterback wouldn't be successful at Alabama? That's true, but I guess his wideouts were saying Smith and Waddle said he's better than Tua. Is that it? Or they whispered about it? I, I don't know. Right. Is two is two a good? Stuff. That's still a question. That's the yeah, that's the up for debate. Um, while we're on the subject of Pip, Ryan Lavender, excellent article at GolfChannel.com on with a title with the Player Impact Program highlighting visibility. Who has appeared most on PGA Tour Live this year? Well, as listeners of this podcast will know, for he spent four years bringing you featured groups, bringing you Fan Vote Friday scandals, ballots that have been rigged in favor of certain, you know, uh, motocross, Red Bull enthusiasts, um, Kygo enthusiasts, whatever you name it. You would the findings should come as no surprise, but I love to see. The actual some of the the pen to paper groundwork uh, uh, work done here by Ryan Lavner. This is for just this year, just this year. So those who have appeared the most over, overall, most often overall on PGA Tour Live, twelve appearances: Rory McIlroy and Ricky Fowler. Ricky hasn't even played. He's one hundred and fifteenth in the world. We still haven't talked about his PGA exception. Oh. Oh yeah, we'll get to that. That's the news. John Rahm, he's I mean, he's, John Rahm has eleven. Phil ten. Phil another one that's sort of, I mean, I get it. He's he's the, the tour has stood on his shoulders right yes. for two decades, amongst others, not solely, but you know he's one of a pillar. Uh, Spieth, DJ, I don't know, but not, a lot of guys you're used to. Reed is out there. Uh, Francesco Molinari is kind of a random one. Max Homa. Max Homa is fifth. That's for that's um, crazy. Congrats to Max. Why Max though? Yeah, I mean he's popular. He player. plays a lot too. I don't know. He play, that's an important other thing. Yeah. You, if you play a lot, you get more chances. So those who have now separate category, those who have appeared most during early round coverage, where the tour absolutely sets it, and you're not kind of at the mercy of the tee sheet. Rory and Ricky and Rom seven times. So like pretty much every time Ricky starts, he's on PGA Tour Live Thursday, Friday. Those have appeared during the weekend. So, you know, this is where you're at the mercy of the tee sheet and the leaderboard, or, you know, early tee times. Rory and Ricky, five appearances. Again, they lead every subcategory. It's kind of unbelievable. So good good study by Ryan Lavner. Should we go into a, a, another study from a listener submitted study oh, yeah. while we're on the subject of PIP? And how they? So, what was your take about NBA? The top of the PGA Tour, just to refresh it before and, we get and into this. I, need, I owe an apology. I messed up the minimum salary in the NBA by a, quite a bit. But the take. Yeah, I was going to say. Didn't you say it was like five hundred? <laughs> yeah, it's like a one point two million. But one point two. Yeah. But uh, that doesn't really matter. The point was like, if you're the highest paid athlete in a sport, like think about baseball, think about uh, the NBA, think about the NFL. You should, these guys get paid so much more than the, than the bottom performers in their sport, like the minimum salary guys. In golf, it's ridiculous. It's like you have a great year, you make $10 million. So you could be a superstar, have an awesome year, make $10 million, and 
Peppy Peter Malnati is making 1.5 right on your ass. It's like, that doesn't make any sense. Nobody even knows who Peppy Peter Malnati is. Kelly Kraft could walk through a crowded mall and not get noticed by anybody. You know, uh, it, it's... It's... It so... Depends on the mall. Maybe he's in Dallas. You know, they might have people hounded him for autographs, like the Beatles walking so, through. You never so, know. SMU, am, amateur champ. So the point was that the top performers, the guys that really, that carry the water for the tour, that get these big, massive TV contracts, that get these massive uh, sponsorship uh, people, you know, getting travelers dumping tons of money into the tour and Charles Schwab, uh, the Tigers, the the Brookses, the Justin Thomases, right. the Jordan Spees, the Rorys, they're all extraordinarily underpaid under the current system because, if anything, they're way more relevant than the star running back of the NFL is compared to the, you know, quarterback uh, or the D lineman, you know, the that is like a rotation D lineman. Because, like, without the faces yep. of the PGA Tour, which is a very marketable sport because they wear a hat and their face is not covered up, like, you know, it is, and it's an individual sport, are extremely underpaid. So, anyways, uh, Josh Bor Borsiak. Yep. I think I pronounced it right. Said, he did He did all the work. He did the work. He actually did created a method. We'll read kind of the abstract tonight, then get into some of the, the cross tabs and the Excel sheet, comparing NBA and PGA Tour salaries. Should we talk? Here's his method. 2021 NBA salaries to PGA Tour winnings from the last full season, which is 19. He used the top 125 from the tour. He looked at the share of total for each set of data. So Curry's 43 million was roughly 1.1% of you know almost four billion of total nba salaries there are four times the number of nba players so the top pga tour player was compared to the salary share of the top four players from the nba uh the number two pga player was compared to the next four from the nba very official study here very official very official findings the initial findings from josh borziak out of roughly 281 million paid to the top 125 in 2019, the top 20 players were underpaid. So this is uh, your your rainmakers. Top 20 were underpaid by a staggering 47.8 million, or almost 32, or more than 32 percent. That gets at you're 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 just giddy. You're happy. This is supporting your notion that you know it's it's. They're underpaid relative to other sports. A rare, rare, rare moment were... where Data Boy is coming out to support one of my arguments. It's just so we're top ten now. We're narrowing it even further to those more elite rainmakers from top twenty. Top ten was underpaid by thirty-one point two million, or thirty-four percent relative to the NBA's uh, cream creme de la creme. Everyone in the top 34 was theoretically underpaid with the remaining 91 players overpaid. We're looking at you. So that's the Kelly Craft and Tyler Duncan. That is your uh, kind of line of demarcation. 34. So if you make it, eh, I don't know if that means you're in Atlanta, you're, you're underpaid, whatever, however he defines it, total winnings. So 34. The player's making the bottom 25. So... I don't know what you want to call this. The Cameron zones, a lot of, lot, you know, whatever. The bottom 25, so 100 to 125, were overpaid by 77%. 
So these are the guys just 70, living off the other. Seven percent. These are the the Bernie Bros. They are just living off, living off the fat of the land. They overpaid seventy seven percent. The bottom five, which is the equivalent to the entry level minimum in the NBA, this can't be right. Should only be paid sixty three thousand per year. <laughs> So the bottom five, equivalent to the entry level minimum in the NBA, should only be paid sixty three grand a year. You know, you know who is in that bottom five? Sabo. Oh. oh God! How amazing would it be if somebody went to Sabo and 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 took away all of his earnings, turned it into sixty three thousand? Watch his reaction. He could make more than that doing appearances in Slovakia. He could make more than that just doing appearances. Uh, outside of the bottom feeders, the players benefiting the most uh, fall in the eighty to eighty nine range. So the Brian Stewart and Michael Thompsons of the world. So that eighty to ninety outside of the very bottom really benefit the most. They're making whatever couple million a year when they shouldn't be near that. So, so. then the, long story short is, from Josh, long story short, Andy is right, which I'm sure you love to hear. This is the thing that people will then say. They'll say, oh, well, you know, those guys get paid more off the course. Guess what? The star athletes of other sports, you know what? They get paid more. They get paid more off the course than the backup D tackle. Like, you know, right. Justin Fields. Having done right. nothing on the football field is going to get paid more than you know our, uh, you know, uh, let's see who who's a good comparison. Uh, the who's our safety? I don't know our safety. Who's your kicker? Yeah, yeah. Um, Eddie Pinheiro, no more. Do you have a kicker? We've got uh, we've got Carlos Santos, Cairo Santos. But but the point. Uh, the, the, that's the, so people are going to say that, but it's not the point. They shouldn't have to recoup their shortcomings off the course. Off the like that's yeah. ridiculous. This system which is, is ridiculous. It 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 which is, literally whole, whole, there's like a, a I don't want people to take this the wrong way, but there's literally a ceiling on the top players in the world how much they can earn. That's that's yeah. actually why the PGL makes a lot of sense. Uh, that's, yeah, I, I found that interesting cause I was doing a post for, uh, Instagram and I was looking at old Valspar's and I found VJ won the Valspar in 04, became the first ever, first ever 10 million in a season player. He won nine times that year and was number one. That was his crazy 04 year. And, and that was when Valspar was in October, but I figured it, it had to have happened a bunch, right? Since then it's only happened. Tiger did it three times, hit 10 million in a season. And then Spieth did uh, got twelve million. This is, of course, no FedEx bonus money. So I mean that that you bake that in, that makes an impact, but only really at the first five to ten guys those start to become really substantial sums in, in the seven figures. But it's only ha- it's it's happened. It hasn't happened since Spieth either. Since twelve million, I guess that would have been fifteen. So it doesn't happen that much. Where the very elite guys, even the guys who are winning on the course, not just popular. The guy's winning a lot on the course. You're not, you know. Yeah, this isn't popularity. This is performance. This is strictly performance. Yep. So. Yep. So, all right. Thanks to Josh for sending in that uh, supporting evidence. <laughs> Andy's very happy that, that his inclination, his theory was right. 
Um, all right, should we move on? Other events that are happening? Do we care about you know the most needless updates? One round updates. The middle, the, uh, the middle LPGA. of the LPGA round. MP Park's leading. In, She's two in holes Singapore. into her second round. Uh, you don't need to know anything about that. Lydia Ko's in uh, the mix after an off. You know she had a, a bad week at Wilshire, but that's understandable after a really emotional win um, in Hawaii. You see who's co-leading at Huntsville on the on the uh, Corn Ferry Tour. I didn't. Carl Carl Yon and Nick Hardy six under oh. sixty four co leaders. There's an eighteen hole update. Let, you're let me tell you something. Think about Nick. How good Nick's going to play tomorrow? Now that he knows the Bears got Justin Fields. That's true. We have a we have a game within the game though. Nipping his heels right behind him, one shot back is David Lipsky. So you could have a real battle <laughs> Big for Big Ten battle. Chicago's. <laughs> Big Ten team. You got Hardy versus Lipsky on there. Uh, in Huntsville. Keep an eye on that one. Um, I don't know. LPJ is in the middle of it. European Tour. Tenerife up. Open the Piss Bear. Open with a nine under. That The course, as we noted, we went into great detail on Wednesday preview. Just just absolute pitch and putt. Beautiful scenic. But, I mean, they're going to carve it up. A bunch of records are set there when they played it you know, 17 years ago, and now they're back with even more optimized equipment and swings and all that stuff. So, yeah, nine under, but, you know, a million guys are eight under, seven under. If you weren't shooting in the mid to low 60s, you're not, you know, sniffing the top. Adjusted par is about 66 out there. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Was anyone over par? Oh, yeah, yeah. Tyler Coivisto, Antoine Rosner. What happened to Antoine? Um, Romain L- right. Langna- Langask, too. Langaski. 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 And MLV. Uh, MLV uh, shot 77. It was a tough day for the French. There's three French. The French. Do you think Rosner? they were out drinking wine or something? Yeah. Getting into the Bordeaux. Living the island life. Of course. You know how MLV. Once he gets a little taste, he's party boy. Uh, other things, other results. Do you want to do anything about the club pro? Omar. Omar, you're rusty. Ran away with it. So we'll be following him at Kiowa. So we got, we get a lot of texts about Omar. Uh, you know, PGA pros, there's some code of ethics. They're, they might not be allowed to kind of tee off on that. If you're a member of the PGA, you might not be able to go crazy hollering about it. Heard maybe the North Texas PGA where he's a member. They don't love him showing up for all the events. Might not let him in some events. I don't know. All sorts of rumors. But hey, Omar, from what we're told, is the nicest guy. But it is just kind of bogus. And to be fair, there there were a handful of other guys who played played on tour. Not just for a cup of coffee, but played on tour for a few years, several years, that, that got exemptions through that top 20. The problem is... The guy never made the PGA as a tour member. And now he's just raking, mopping the floor and getting in all these major championships. He played on the PGA tour for 10 plus years. Right. This is not. Right. 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 Um, All right. Anything else? Club pro reaction? You know what I mean? Congrats congrats to all the guys that made it. It's it's pretty cool to get a play, obviously, in a major. and for some of these guys, they'll probably be the only time they they play in the major. But uh, you know, Rob LeBritz, in again, always, always, yeah. Your your guy, Mer- the Jeff Hart, I don't think made it. J- Brad Barrick made the, it though. Okay. T eight. Okay. Well, 
We'll do a big. We'll probably do a segment on these guys come PGA week. When we're down in Kiowa, maybe we'll we'll do a little Marty, segment Marty, on Marty, too, Marty Jerson, one shot sh- short. Hate to see it. Oh, he did the the pain rap, right? Yeah. Pain guy. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, we'll talk more about the PGA guys at Kiowa in a couple of weeks. I mean, you are kind of screwed if you're a Northern pro, right? Yeah. I mean, you show up in April. A little bit harder. <laughs> Play Bermuda, and you're, you're kind of, that's it. Quick, boom, boom, boom. Um, all right, let's start a new segment. A new segment brought to you by the USGA, the U.S. Women's Open. The segment, we'll call it Eye on Olympic. We're gonna, we need to do this more often. It's like a fan vote Friday, except maybe we'll give you an option to vote for a few uh, players you want to, a little pen light. So I on Olympic, we're gonna spotlight a few players that are in the field, whether they're exempt, whether they qualified, just to give you a little nugget, give you an appetizer as we get fired up for Olympic. It's brought to you by uh, the USGA, US Women's Open. Visit uswomensopen.com. I think that's a website where you could probably learn more about that championship. You could join the Victory Club to learn more about Oh, both opens if you want you know you get advanced. early access to stuff you get discounts on I got, stuff i got an email today about tickets going on sale for the u.s women's open for, because i'm in the victory club so i don't know if you're in the san francisco area maybe you're northern california join the victory club uh our first subject for eye on olympic segment will be yuka sasso now i know Ooh. you brought her you brought her up a couple weeks ago. In Hawaii. Because you were hollering about how That's just a- sort of the restrictive Zalatoris type uh, restrictions on her ability to continue to play on the LPGA. You're all worked up about that. Yeah. I mean, it, it stinks. She's like one of the young phenoms in the sport. Obviously, you know, at, at the U.S. Women's Open, she's in the field because she's a young phenom in the sport and deserving of it. It's not a uh, it's not a member-run the... organization trying to hold the most talented players in the world down. Yeah, she finished uh, 13th in her major championship debut at Champions in Houston last uh, U.S. Women's Open. Obviously, that was very late in the year in December. Uh, let's get into a little bit about Yuka, why you should like her, why you should follow her, why you might be intrigued to follow her at the Women's Open at Olympic. So there's not much Filipino... She's she's Jap- half Japanese, half Filipina. Uh, there's very little Filipino golf history. I you know looked at the hist- both women's side, men's side. Miguel Tobuna oh, might be Tabuna. a name you're familiar with. I remember, I remember following Tabuna. Miggy, yeah, quite a bit. But there's not much. So here's here's an article from Ken Brown on Olympics website. And, and how did she get into golf? It's just so limited in, in the Philippines. Golf was all I had, she said. Uh, I was born in the Philippines. I grew up there, but we moved to Japan when I was four or five and she couldn't speak Japanese. So she didn't have any friends. Her dad is a Japanese businessman. Her mom is Filipina. Uh, so she moved to Japan at four or five. She couldn't speak Japanese, had no friends. So her dad brought her the driving range and the golf course. And that's the whole, the only thing I had. She became like singularly focused on just pounding balls at the range because she didn't speak the local language and and that's how she got into golf and obviously probably may not have gotten into golf had she stayed in the philippines where it's just it's not as popular there's less access you're just not as exposed to it as much so the big one which you'll hear about you know in addition to that range time but she worked constantly on her swing by watching videos of rory mcelroy this was 
I think you made ton in cheek reference to this. Is that right? Is that accurate to say? I, they mentioned it at it Champions very at the US Women's Open nonstop. <laughs> when I was it's, nine, it's she said, I want to be like Rory. Cat, catnip for the aggregators and the quote tweeters. So she moved back to the Philippines at nine um, to play. She to be homeschooled and play golf every day. I mean, she goes to the range morning. This is like in her early teens. Works out, you know, does some homeschool, and then she's like at the golf course till six, seven o'clock every day. She committed to UGA Georgia, but never met, never went. She turned pro instead of attending college, and because she got her card. Do you think in uh, Athens the Japan, they're, uh, they're treating her like Fitzy is treated at Northwestern? No, they might treat her like Joaquin Neiman to Georgia that failed. No, they might be mad. She turned pro instead of coming. To the, who, who's someone who committed to UGA and then turned their back on him? I'll have to think of somebody else. Um, so the big thing, her entire breakout, and, and this is pretty cool as we look towards the Olympics in, in August um, and try to understand like what she means for the Philippines was she got gold at the 2018 Asian Games. Um, she became known as one of the Philippines Asian Games Golden Girls alongside a weightlifter, Hilden Diaz, a skateboarder, which I wanted to learn more about in the Asian Games, and uh, her golf teammate, Bianca Pagdananan and Lois K. Go. She um, played, what, so, didn't she play, uh, Bianca played golf in college somewhere, like Duke or something? Arizona. Arizona. Okay, Arizona. I remember that. Yeah. So this was the big thing. They're teammates of this 2018 Asian Games. Um, and, sh- and Yuka wins solo gold with a 66 in the final round. Bianca shoots 66, go from 13th to bronze. And they win team gold and they win solo gold. And you may think like Asian Games, what is this? Some like <laughs> subcategory of athletic competition? Like massive massive deal they're instantly like overnight national heroes they beat uh, south korea f- they beat south korea so here's how she won so here's how she won solo gold she double bogeyed the 17th hole and she's two behind uh lee wenbo of china going to 18 par five is 18 she makes an eagle on 18 and Lou Wenbo hit in the water made a quad. Uh-huh. A fat nine, as I read an article on the last hole of the Asian Games. Uh, she's two up. So Yuka wins comfortably by three. Went from two down to win by three solo. And Bianca, you know, shoots her own 66. They win the team gold. Um, massive, massive deal. She talks about, like, how she went back. She was, like, not totally ready for it. She got back to the Philippines. They're just, like... Like I said, the Asian Games Golden Girl. She's on all these TV networks on the front page of every paper, even today. Like every single round of hers, I was looking for research. Like every single round of hers gets a write up in like every paper, multiple papers. It just could be a regular season a, event, could be written whatever. Written by a real writer, round. not like the PGA Tour bot, right? Right. Right. So, her, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what else has she done? The, the, that that one's the big one. It makes her like this national hero. And obviously, when we talk about the Olympics, like that's sort of the impact we're talking about, right? This is an Asian Games thing, and she won, you know, Philippines Athlete of the Year. They talk about how they're really down because Manny Pacquiao is not boxing anymore. He's like their national sporting icon, and now it's it's kind of Yuka, maybe a little bit of 
Bianca, but she won the 2020 Athlete of the Year, given by some Sports Writers Association. Uh, she's won it twice in three years. Like she is a national hero. Whether she's done anything on the LPGA yet or will do anything at Olympics, she's already a national hero. Um, the big thing, you know, obviously she hits allegedly like has a similar swing to Rory from watching it. She's a powerful Bombs player. Her. People kind of dro- drool over that. Um, what else? She won the 2019 Girls Junior PGA. That was in Connecticut. She was the medalist at the U.S. Girls, USGA, U.S. Girls Junior. She lost in the quarters or the semis of the, of the match play. Um, what else? Should we do a little personal? Uh, I thought... She kind of popped this, the, that BTS, like the really massive K-pop band. She goes, eh, they're fine, but they're not my favorite. She's, she likes Sam Smith, Twice, Blackpink, all these bands that are totally unfamiliar to me as, as a middle-aged man in, in America. Um, what else do we So she goes, she wasn't expecting that to be so big, and, but the Asian gold just changed everything. It was hard for me to let it sink in. It took like several weeks for her to become sort of this overnight national celebrity. Um, what else do we got here? Oh, fun one. I want to get pitch you about. So she went to the Olympic Youth Games. Again, all these national team competitions are where, you know, the most important thing to her, right? Or as, as representing the Philippines. And Buenos Aires said she struggled because it was like windy and there weren't trees and it was links-ish obviously, but, but it was like firm and fast and windy. And she's like in the Philippines and a lot of the Japan tour and in America, like I just hit the ball really high and I don't have to play the ground and I'm not used to the wind. And she's like struggled a bit at this youth Olympic games in Buenos Aires. And I, I would imagine Olympic would not necessarily present that kind of challenge, right? It's not links-ish. Could it be windy, I suppose? But, I mean, if you're a high ball hitter, windy, it's not going to... Yeah, it, she'll do well there. I mean, it's it, yeah. distance is going to be a reward. And, I mean, people that find fairways, obviously, with uh, how narrow it is. But... Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, I, I just think, like, you know, because she's a high ball hitter, it doesn't preclude her. Obviously, she turned pro uh, in the Japan LPGA. She won two of her first three events. That's against, like, a pretty competitive tour players who were much older seasoned veterans on that JLPGA and she won two of her first three events. Um, what else we got here? Just, yeah. One Philippine athlete of the year, 2020. So that's coming off of that awarded that in March. And, uh, again, just an awesome story. I think someone to follow is like this national hero. You don't know much about, obviously she made her big splash here by, she co-led at champions mm-hmm. in, in Houston for, I, mean, I think two she's in, she was in second and, uh, at the Lottie championship in Hawaii uh, going into the final round and finished top 10 there. Yeah. So, like she's, or the Lotte, not the Lottie. Lotte, Lotties. I, I read some few things, but I mean, obviously she played with Lydia Ko there and, and that was kind of a massive influence she took away from that, but not finding, st- you know, trying to get starts where she can. She played all right at the ANA as well. Too. All right. So uh, be- that's a stud. 19-year-old, Yuka Sasso to watch. She's already done well at the U.S. Women's Open, and now she's back. Again. I know more about her now than I did before. Uh, it's just, it'll be good leading into the, the uh, U.S. Women's Open. Biggest uh, major of the yep. year for them. So, If you have candidates you want us to dig for, interesting, fun, wild stories, send us some. We'll do a few more of these heading into Olympic. All right, let's do news real quick. And then we'll get to flashback. Ricky Tour Live. 
I mean, it's not the tour. Unbelievable. He gets an exemption. It's a PGA. How about Jan John Catlin? How about they just they crowbarred oh, him in there? This Catlin shield. They're throwing <laughs> him out there as a human shield. Because it's like, oh, it's not just Ricky. It's just Catlin. Catlin's won three times. He's winning on the tour that he's a member. There he plays. Excelling. I mean, the Ricky thing. They don't have a they don't have a good answer. They don't have a justification. They're just it's, if you're a Ryder Cup player and in the uh, the last Ryder Cup, which is ages ago now, three years, ages, three years, twenty eighteen. If you're a Ryder Cup player, you also have to be in the top one hundred. He's not in the top one hundred. Now it's not the worst thing. He's not five hundredth in the world. He hasn't tumbled. He's not you know just completely fall off the map. But like. I mean, it's the Adam Scott quote all over again. Are you a major or do you just want to be entertainment? You want to bring in the, the I mean, Puma, I'm sure, is already activating some South Carolina brand wear that they're going to sell. I, I just like, the, I mean, are they going to have a, you know, a woman in a bikini changing the scores at the 1987 PGA at PGA National? Like, what is this? Is this a sideshow? This is, it just doesn't feel like it's anti-competitive. It's it's if you're 109th in the world, and they're giving you you don't get in, and they say Ricky's in because of this dubious or, or nebulous accomplishments and and you know world golf ranking, but you have a higher ranking. I think you'd be pretty pissed. I just and it's not even Ricky's fault. Ricky's under the microscope because he's on TV so much and all the commercials. Like they give him a spot, there's going to be backlash, but it's not it's nothing he's done himself. Right. I mean, he's not, you know, awarding it himself, but it's just kind of bogus for a major Here's Here's like Maverick McNeely, 101st in the world. He's got a second and a fourth in his last six starts. Like one guy's been competitive. One guy's had chances to win tournaments. One guy's playing at a high level. The other guy isn't even playing. That's what I think that I have like the biggest issue with is like, yeah. It'd be one thing if Ricky had been grinding and playing like every week because he's like, hey, like I really want to get into this PGA. He's just choosing not to participate. Like he played the Valero. He obviously missed out on the Masters because he did not qualify. And like since then, he just hasn't played. Sold some Kate Spade purses from Mother's Day. Did that. Um not even, I mean, not trying the opposite field events when he's not qualifying for WGCs. I, I just, it, it doesn't seem necessary. Like, I, I, PGA walked themselves into this too. Like, just, uh, you know, blowback for it. I, I, I don't get it. I, like, do you want to be a major or not? I, you know, it just seems anti competitive. It's like, so. you got like, you got Matthias Schwab, who's played a really good year on the, on, on the European tour. You know, it's just like, there are good players that, are ahead of him in the rankings. And, you know, by the time the PGA rolls around, Ricky might be 120th in the world rankings. It's not getting better. He's going down again this week. He's not playing. Yeah. They should pair him with Omar. <laughs> you know, the two kind of guys that are there on, on dubious circumstances. I don't know. It stinks. It um, stinks. It's like, this is the whole meritocracy thing. Like, golf loves to hang his hat. Like, you get in when you're qualified and you, you know, but... This is a perfect example. And majors of, yeah. are supposed to be the ultimate test of that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, you have past champions who earn. And like it. you, you get like um, Phil, Mike. You know, I saw Phil's weighing whether he'd take a special exemption to the U.S. Open. Ricky's not Phil. 
you know? That, well, that's where I'm going to go. I was going there next. Like, that's... And then Phil's saying he might not even take it. Like, yeah, I don't know. He's uh, The venue doesn't matter. I just don't know yet. I don't know to answer that question. He's still signed up to play, uh, you know, a, a sectional a, after the memorial. Um, but, uh, again, Phil is like... I wonder if Ricky signed up to famer. play a sectional. It's a good question. Is there some exemption? He He can't possibly have some exemption no i I doubt it um you know did some usga sort of clinic somewhere so he gets in but i don't know i don't think he's exempt but anyways yeah but i guess is the usga wouldn't give him one like it it doesn't that does that seems a little bit outside their uh wheelhouse no they wouldn't do that phil is also like I mean, he's top ten player or of all time, oh, or top around tw- it. Top twenty five, maybe. I'm kidding. I just wanted to see if you're paying attention there. Uh, no, he's on the edge of somebody's like top fifteen. Yeah, around one of the there. greatest players he's, of the generation. He's won majors. He is. Yeah, he's a part of the USGA's history, whether he won it or not. At this point, you know, he's a five time runner up. Uh, and this is what they do. They give Arnold Palmer an exemption for his last one at Oakmont. Like a Jack gets some Ernie L's. Like, yeah, Ricky's not. Listen, bad. we don't even know uh, if, if Mark Leishman or Ricky's better. They're in the same spot. You doing drive-bys of Leishman I'm again? not doing drive-bys of Leishman. I'm, I'm, I'm asking the question, who's a better player, him or, or, or Ricky? They're about the same age. They got the same amount of wins. Interesting. Ricky's got a player. So people would probably say that. I don't know. I don't know. Um, all right. Anyways, that, that's enough exemption talk. Do you have any other news you want to hit on? Uh, I got nothing else. Hey, can I just real quick? We're on the Valspar week. Great little nugget. Not, not vetted wholly, but Sean O'Hare, former winner of the Valspar. When you did your little uh, flashback before we get this is a good segue into flashback. On the second round of the PGA, I was brutal at Kiowa. Someone told us that O'Hare was like, he was in the mid-80s or something, way up there, maybe pushing 90, I don't know. And somebody, they're like on the 17th tee, somebody says to O'Hare, former Valspar winner, like, you know, what? Are, I wonder what we're going to post. He goes, oh, are you kidding me? There's no way I'm posting this score. And he like goes to take the practice swing and like fakes a wrist injury, like drops his club and WDs. Now I need to confirm that he WD'd. I didn't even look that up, but this was a funny story that they said. Sean O'Hare is like, no way I'm posting this score. Is that a vanity thing that these that guys do like if the they're old, getting blown uh, out to sea? The old Al Serzevec, you know, from Caddyshack. Al Sir. Ah, <laughs> oh, my wrist. So apparently he just, yeah, like, 17th tee, he like takes a practice one and throws his club to the ground. So, uh, anyways, that that was a good O'Hare tidbit. I got I got a little back. intel from a listener. Okay, what do you got? What do you got? This is uh this is deep intel. You know, you asked the question about what Louis was doing out at Golden Ocala. Yeah, it was a it was like a charity deal, right? Yeah, well. He's into the ponies, or his wife's into the ponies, or something like that. Louis just recently purchased a horse farm in Ocala. No way. And he's likely to make Golden Ocala the tribute course, his own course. He's looking for no another way. place to buy tractors for, I think. 
Can confirm Sean O'Hare was a WD from the 2012 PGA. Along with Kevin Na and Scott Verplank. Kevin Na, we've seen him do that several times now. So Louie's going to buy tractors and just ride around Central Florida? Yeah, he, he's living in horse country. The the horse country that you broke down. Why the soil, why it's so good for horses. Yeah, it's got some special minerals. He's, he's going to be out in Ocala. We stopped in Ocala on our way back from Florida on the drive. That was like our first stop. Yeah. I almost yeah. went out and shot Golden Ocala just for the for the posterity's sake um, with the drone. But allegedly, also the GM has been made aware that of the of that the of the bad drone. drone footage. Oh God! <laughs> so Ocala's the home to like John Travolta's airplane garage, airplane house. Louis Ustay's, what a weird collection of humans. Uh, that's amazing. And and Ted Potter Jr., fantastic. That's good intel. Did you know Golden Ocala is building? We talked about it. They're building another nine. More tribute holes on the way. Are they? Yeah. The, Are they? One of which will be the fourth at uh, Oakmont. Oh, really? The church pews. Is that church pews yeah. then down the left? Okay. All right. So the, we're getting to more tribute halls out there. Maybe another Mirfield Village or Mirfield. Maybe maybe more Mirfield Village tribute. You never know. Um, well, they'd have to right, be careful. They have to be careful because Jack and his crew ripped it all up. So, oh well, yeah, that changes. Who knows what holes tribute. still still are there? All right, flashback Friday. Precision Pros. Shotgun start. Shotgun twenty Precision for Pro. twenty dollars off. Your uh, range finder, you want to get in the game where you, you, you always know the right yardage. Even, you know, at the at the steam sh- or at the boomerang, you know. I was going to say, we, did you use them we, we, we allowed range finders, but the only range oh. finders allowed to use the slope <laughs> was the Precision Pro NX9 slope. So, you know, as a, just a, a st- range finders are allowed at fried egg events, but... Oh my the God! This function is needs to be turned off unless you are using the Precision Pro NX9 oh slope. It's a steadfast rule. It is a uh, it's an article of competition. A uh, you know, and uh, this is the local rule for Friday events. It's going to be enforced. Slope off, except except for Precision. And mostly, Pro. it's because I don't know how to turn the slope off my Precision Pro NX9 <laughs> slope. I haven't investigated it yet. I'm sure it's very easy. Everything is extremely user-friendly thing. I just haven't yeah. looked into how I turned the slope off yet. Well, I'm sure you could call customer I could call service. Eric. I'll get back to you quickly. There so, you go. Shotgun 20, $20 off. Your precisionpro.com. They're affordable. They're great. I had never seen this in action. I played with uh, Tron and Big Randy. They rode. Will Knights and I walked at, at Olympic Club. I'd never seen this in action. You know, you told talked about the magnet. The magnet. I'd never seen it because ah. I never I don't ride in carts usually. There's very yeah, rarely true. do I ride in a cart. But if I had known that I'd ride I've ridden in a cart, you know, a few months ago. I didn't understand how the magnet worked. You literally just put it on there and it sticks. What do you mean you didn't understand how the magnet works? How what are you talking I'd never about? seen it you in action. I read the thing on the paper and I don't know it literally you just put it up they both put them on. Yeah. I took a picture. It was amazing. There are pictures. Yeah. Is it, How are you just seeing this now? Yeah. I I'm yeah. not up on the times. I'm not an equipment buff. I got I got like six yeah, different brands of clubs in my bag. 
You know? You you do have a mix set. You do. Do you have a six iron nowadays? Uh, it's, yeah, I've got I've got a, okay. a a different six iron than the six and seven than my rest of my irons. I know you were months without a six iron. Well, right? the uh, the set, well seven? the six I lost the six, and then uh, and then I so I went to a half set, and then the seven the head fell off, the, the epoxy wore out, and it fell off. Uh, so then I, I I couldn't go five to eight. It was too much. So I I had yeah. I caved and asked a buddy to bring me a six and a seven. So now they're uh, they're completely different shafts. My shafts and my regular irons keep the ball down. And these shafts are built to throw the ball up in the air high. So they come out they come out of a completely different window. I was playing on a windy day in Florida. I hit a six iron from like a hundred and five yards and it ended up forty yards short of the green. My caddy and I just burst out laughing. Moonball. Well, it was like two holes earlier. We were in the same wind. And I hit like one of my yeah. regular irons to like two feet because like I knew I judged the wind right and everything. And then two yeah, holes later, sure. I hit the different iron, just floats straight yeah. up into there. Yeah. Anyways, let's yeah. uh, let's talk about Flashback Friday. We're doing we're doing the Valspar, but before it was the Valspar. Do you know what it, you know what it was called originally? Well, this was it had a just a revolving door of sponsors. It was the transitions lenses before transitions. Pods. The Pods Championship Pod. was the Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Championship. It was the Chrysler, I believe, at one point. Uh, I think at least one other. I think, yeah, Everbank. I think jumped in a year when I think Pods bailed two weeks before the tournament was. But yeah, it's been a revolving. So door this was the sponsors. Tampa Bay Classic, presented by Buick. Ah, when P- Buick, Buick was big and golf. The sugar Daddy of the PGA Tour. Sponsoring players, sponsoring uh, tournaments all over the place. They they had a great front man back then who was really into golf. Um, Oh, that's right. So anyways, this point, the Valspar, the Tampa Bay Classic presented by Buick at this point, is an opposite field event. So it was opposite the Amex, right. the WGC Amex. WGC, and which was international. It was played, right? this Europe. year it was played in Mount Juliet, uh, Ireland. And both of these events, it was in September, both of them were canceled in t- uh, 2001 because of 9-11. So, uh, interesting story. The week, you know, when, the, when they set the field for the WGC, KJ Choi had fallen out of the top 30 and the money list to 31. So he was the first guy out of the WGC uh, Mount Juliet of like the, you know, money list exemption. How did Choi respond? How did, how did the Choi boy, Mr. Hammer drill respond? Is this the year he won? This is, he's won it twice. Yeah, he's won right? it twice. This is his first win. So Choi responds with a wire to wire win. Uh, he made mincemeat. Of the core uh, of the of Innisbrook, you know everybody thought this was a really hard course. It was playing harder than the year before. He shot three shots better than John Houston. It was a full shot more difficult. He won by seven over Glenn all day. He opened the tournament with a course record sixty three, and it was the largest margin of uh, victory on the PGA Tour in two thousand two. It was his second win of his career. This wasn't. 
Was this the one who was gaming the Sasquatch? No, a couple no, years it was after, later. Was that was, was later, later Tampa win? When they talked about second. it, sounded like a tuna can on the end of a shaft. Okay, <laughs> the I think that Tampa was a win. flashback or an Instagram post we did. <laughs> Ernie was just aghast at the sound that the, the Sasquatch was making. That's when it became right, so a full field event. This was this was you know okay. Ernie's playing it. Uh, yeah. This was right. this was when his yeah. opposite. Ernie was playing at Mount Juliet. You know, he's on his world tour. Okay. So second win of his career and second of the season. He won his first win at the Compact Classic in New Orleans. Um, so right. the other players that won back. multiple times in 2002, Tiger, Ernie, Phil, and VJ, and KJ Choi. Wow. Um, what a what a group. Yeah, unbelievable, right? So. His yeah. win was the was the second wire to wire win of the season. You know what the first one was? No. Uh, what year are we talking? Two thousand two. Or two uh, two thousand two. Sorry. No. What was it? It was a mere like seven hours earlier. Tiger went wire to wire at the WGC oh. uh, at Mount okay. Juliet. Okay. So it's pretty just okay. uh, two wire to wire wins. Uh, the same week. Uh, what? So, Crazy. just an interesting fact on this uh, on this event that it was in September in, in Florida, so you can imagine it was quite hot. So, temp yep. with temperatures topping 100 degrees, six caddies re received intravenous treatment for dehydration. Paramedics were on site all weekend long. You know, who knows? This might Damon Green. Might have been one I was of those. Say, I you beat me to it. I was like the Damon Green move, the IV. Give me. A and speaking of medical attention, I found this on like some mental coaches website. So I I'm not sure if this is true, but yeah. See, uh, speaking of medical attention, Choi had been suffering from stomach terrible stomach pains. Many saw him grabbing his abdomen during this during the final round. He later stated that the pain made him say to himself, I'll just take it hole by hole. He won the tournament by seven shots and had his appendix removed the next day. What? What? Yeah. The next day? He played with the burst appendix? Something. Appendicitis or something he played with. Holy Allegedly, cow. according to this random mental coach's website. Oh, I didn't double check cow. this. All, All right. right, so just All a little right. on our on one of our shotguns' favorite Choi boys. It probably deserves a little bit more treatment than this flashback, but we're gonna get into a little bit of of KJ Choi. Really, he was the first player uh, from South Korea to play on the PGA Tour, earn full status. So, yep. uh, this is from an SI article by Josh Elliott. Uh, ordinarily, a player of Choi's caliber from a small golf mad country like South Korea would be stalked. Ceaselessly by the ceaselessly. ceaselessly. Please tell me Josh Elliott worked in Glorious Madness into this article. Um, I don't think he did. You know that's the same guy. Really? Chris Kirk bathed his young son and thought about what could be. This Glorious Madness, it's our Mother's Day gift to you. That's the same Josh Elliott. I can't wait to hear see some of this writing. Ceaselessly, ceaselessly okay, by the press. But while Choi is appreciated, he has not been the idol one would imagine because when it comes to golf, South Koreans prefer the women. They were the ones, after all, who first fought success on foreign shores, led by pa Seiri Pak and others. 
South Koreans have been a growing force on the LPGA for a decade. By the time Choi arrived on the scene, becoming the first Korean to earn a PGA Tour card in 1999, the Nationals' preferences had already been set. This is, I didn't you know, really know this. Huh. In fact, huh. after a final round 69 pushed him into third place, so he's not really known, but in fact, after final round 69 pushed him into third place finish at the 04 Masters, Choi offered a wry smile when asked where his performance would appear in the next day's newspapers in South Korea. He replied, where did the women play this week? Where were they? I, that's he just. It was the point. Like, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. Yeah. Well, it, it turns matter. out yeah. like that. That Masters finish was huge. It made him like a national icon, um, and it it really grew the popularity of men's golf in in South Korea. Um, Interesting. So this is a little bit later about his upbringing. Today, Choi is simply an older version of the patient reserve boy he was growing up on a remote. Wandu Island, an agricultural and fishing community, a six-hour drive south of Seoul. His parents were rice farmers, and KJ was the oldest of three kids. An avid athlete, Choi played soccer and baseball before turning to powerlifting as a 13-year-old, which he was quite strong. Right. Uh, despite his stocky build, his long arms impeded his progress, leading his coach to suggest they tried golf, so his arms were too long to be a power builder. So at 16, Choi picked up a golf club for the first time, learning the game on the island's only golf and air quotes facility, uh, a makeshift range that was nothing more than a field pounded, uh, bounded by fishermen's nets. So maybe, you know, this is a solution to the, to the tour's uh, distance problem with ranges. It's just some fishermen's nets. Sure. It might sure. be cheaper, you know, add those on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So to actually play, Choi had to endure a four-hour commute and beginning at 3 a.m. to the closest course what? on the main land in Kwaigui. Kwaigui. Uh, sorry about that. He would play until nightfall. He once played 72 holes in a single day and returned home at 11 p.m. He made the trip every day he could. He said, I love to play, and I knew it was the only way to improve. The hardships paid off when he earned a scholarship to, high, uh, to a high school near Seoul where he lived and played on the uh, golf team until his graduation at 18. So four, four hours of commuting? Yeah, four hours of commuting. So he turns 18. He's like this rising golf star, but of course we know military service. So he, does, right. he goes right. to the military service, and he does his three years. Um, Choi's really outspoken about this policy and, and how it's, how it stunts the maturation of, of generation of South Korean sportsmen. So those years are, uh, when you develop as a golfer, plus in the military, you play, uh, you work too hard to play your sport. I miss golf very much. Sometimes I would swing my rifle like a club and they thought I was, Holy I was God. crazy. <laughs> um, so he he eventually after a, a couple a couple years in the military like some officers found out he was really good and they you know got him teaching them how to play golf so he got a little bit back into the game 
After the military service, he works as an assistant pro, and his members picked up his greens fees and tournament expenses as he started to play uh, Korean events, and then he eventually moved on to Japan events. So, obviously, first Korean, he earned his card in 1999, and he qualified through the old Q school. Uh, so he finished T32, and that year it was top 35. So a few others in his class. You ready for these? Yeah. The BB gun, Bart Bryant. Brad or Bart? Bart. Bart. Okay. The BB gun. John, Our PGA Tour Live star, John Rollins. Oh, sure. I sure. shuffled my own snow, Gary Nicholas. <laughs> The greatest SEC golfer of all time, Brian Gay. Brian Gay. Oh, yeah. Bob May. Oh, the collection. Oh, fascinating. Those are a few of the names. A few others, but... Speaking of PGA. Right, right. Good class. Strong class. So this is more from... At least on the nickname. More part. from the Elliott article. His game was well-suited to the task. A solid ball striker. He hits it incredibly straight and doesn't hold back. His caddy, Andy Progder, says Troy goes at, uh, at the pin on every shot. Every shot. Not one for the data boys. I've never seen someone do that before. Troy's steely demeanor and aggressive play suggests icy veins, but he fights his nerves from time to time. Says Progner, if a playing partner has hit a nice shot, KJ will make a face and say, nervous now. Then he'll hit it even better. Why? So if his playing partners hit a good shot, he got nervous. Um, now Choi's moving on to the next stage of his plan. So this was written in uh, after the Masters uh, close call in 2004. Uh, his next sta sta stage of his plan, becoming an elite player. The first step has been raiding in his schedule and changing his off-course regimen. Until last year, he played an average of almost 40 tournaments a year worldwide. Ridiculous. His trader... Ridiculous. David Derbyshire felt Choi was wearing out. No kidding. <laughs> so the two worked to increase Choi's flexibility and strength. He also lowered his daily intake of high-carb Korean favorites, losing 15 pounds. So he lost 15 pounds. He was down to 190. This year he'll play 32 times. After all, he's no kid anymore, says Yim. Um, so... Choi did become a pretty elite player. I mean, he got into the top 10 of the world. Uh, he ended up winning six more times, eight times in total on the PGA Tour, one players in there, and uh, really became the face of, of Korean golf, men's Korean golf. Um, he had six top 10s in majors over the course of his career. Uh, one, a, a quick, I figured this is, we had to go through this. He did a little, like, my two cents uh, thing. Uh, for Sports Illustrated yep. that were just like opinions. Uh, on politics, he said, I'm happy that my country, South Korea, has a good relationship with the U.S. On Augusta National, he said, difficult. Korean food, he said, I've eaten every meal this week at the Golden Garden. Great steamed chicken and pork. That was his Augusta hangout, the Golden Garden. He would eat, he'd bring his whole family there. Like he moved his whole family in. And then he would be found at the Golden Garden All Masters Week. Uh, his favorite American food was turkey. Uh, favorite movies, Terminator 3 and First Blood. Any action movie, really. Uh, weightlifting 
I'm weightlifting. When I was 16, I squatted 150 kilos, which is 331 pounds. 15? Yeah. Good lord. Um, he loves baseball. He lives. He lives in. Te- he lived in Texas at this time, but his team was the do- uh, the Red Sox. And orange is his oh. favorite color. He said, "I have an orange shaft on my driver. I use orange tees, and I just ordered orange shoes with orange stripes." Ricky, precursor to Ricky. <laughs> Ricky before Ricky. Uh, hey, did we miss the? Uh, oh, the Cle- Cleveland's on the clock next. No. Two picks. We got one more. I think the Steelers are up. I was just watching. Your your Wi-Fi was cutting out, but I was trying. You're, you're, I can't yeah, even see you right Steelers. now because your Wi-Fi so I bad. can't see you. No. I can't see you. Interesting. All right. We have anything else? Nothing else. Hey, we got 20% little, off in the pro shop because the end of sumo cool season. 75-minute episode on Valspar Friday. We do have 20% off on the pro shop. You know. It was kind of to cope and, and kind of steal ourselves for the mistakes that the Bears might make in the end of Sumo Citrus season. But now it's to celebrate the Big Bears night. I, I'm, I'm uh, about to just binge on some Justin Fields to the Bears articles. That's going to be, I'm going to be up till, you're gonna gonna be up the, till the wee hours like, reading about this like glorious Sasso watching Rory McIlroy videos. You're going to be watching Justin Fields tape. That's great. 20% off in the pro shop. That's right. Everything. All the, I got a shipment today of Dratty, sport polo, regular polo, quarter zip, a mug on a mug. It was fantastic. If enough, if enough people so buy stuff, off. I will po- pack the uh, unboxing video that you're trying to scrub, hide from, from society. I should not have sent that to you. I did an unboxing video as a spoof. And uh, yeah, my wife was just ripping on me the whole time. It was, it was bad, of course. All right. Thanks to uh, Precision Pro, Ion Olympic, USGA, fun little Friday episode. Anything else? I just I'm, I Andy? just clicked on an article by the Athletic, uh, you know, the Bears writer, based on his college yeah. experience, collegiate experience and success. Fields is considerably different than former starter Mitch Trubisky, whom the Bears traded up to select with a number two pick in twenty seventeen. Opposite of that. <laughs> Guy who's excelled at like the toughest programs against the best competition and was like a stud coming out of high school. What? Yeah. I'm, I'm happy for you. Very exciting news. I can't believe that this just changed all at a moment. So that's what the draft does. All hey, right. You know, Everyone maybe, enjoy your weekend. maybe uh, we were looking for the Georgia, maybe Fields is because he initially intended, attended Georgia and then he transferred. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering about that. I, was, I almost threw that out there, but I think like he transferred because they made the wrong decision. They they put Jake Fromm as their starter. He I was all all Steelers all freshman team. Back. Yep, yep. All right, everyone, enjoy your Fridays. Enjoy your weekends. We'll be back to recap a, a full weekend of golf and maybe more draft talk. Who knows? The Browns are about to pick here, but uh, we'll talk to you guys on Monday. <laughs>